Welcome to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. This podcast delivers insights on medical device packaging from regulatory affairs, process management, as well as discussions on the latest in sterile device packaging technologies. Each episode, our host, Charlie Webb, speaks with global experts to bring the most relevant information to our esteemed listeners. As sterile packaging compliance becomes increasingly more challenging, it is vital to avoid information gaps that could risk your medical device packaging program. Avoid package failure risks and build your skill set from your colleagues' experience and from insights from sterile device packaging subject matter experts. Hello and welcome to Spot Radio, Sterile Packaging on Track. This is Charlie Webb. Today our guest is Andy Diaz-Pizzito. Andy is a CPP, which is a certified packaging professional. He's an active member of the IOPP, which is the Institute of Packaging Professional, and I'm happy to say that I'm part of that amazing organization. He's also an account executive for Merrill's Packaging. Now, Merrill's Packaging is a medical thermal former. They're based in Burlingame, California. They also have a facility in Costa Rica. And Merrill's Packaging is a ISO 1345 company, and it's a leader in polycarbonate tray manufacturing. Their customer list includes the nation's largest medical device manufacturers. Now, I've had the opportunity to meet up with Andy before. In fact, this goes way back about 10 years ago, I believe. We weren't formally in Introduced, but he was the one that actually put on a uh, tour of the Sterogenics Gamma Irradiation Facility that's uh, in Southern California. And I'll tell you, if you ever have the opportunity as a medical device manufacturer to be able to visit a sterilizer, particularly a gamma irradiation facility, highly recommend it. You know, sometimes we have our devices going out and uh, the little chipboard box, the UPS carries them off, we get them uh, sterilized, they uh, go into distribution. But we sort of miss that. We never get to really see what happens to them when they leave the big roll-up door. So this is a chance for you to see um, that uh, process in play, and it's really very edifying. Uh, They actually allowed us to go inside the chamber, uh, and we walked on these metal grates. Uh, and uh, basically, you're, you're walking on these little catwalks over what is effectively a swimming pool, and you look down there, and there it is, the telltale glowing blue light of Cobalt 60 just under your feet. little unsettling for sure, but very, very cool. If you have a chance to do that, I highly recommend it. So Andy, we, um, as I mentioned in the um, intro here that you and I had met about, well, I guess it was 2011 as I look back here, so eight years ago-ish, at uh, Sterogenics for that tour that you put on. That was really interesting and scary and cool. I'm glad I did that. Thanks so much for putting that together. Thank you. In flexible packaging, you know, we always have to look at how that device is going to be delivered into the uh, point of care. Uh, Sometimes it's not in the critical uh, surgical theater. Uh, Sometimes it's a doc office uh, product, uh, diagnostic perhaps. But Yours tend to be more critical. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you sort of glean information to be able to have the best human connection to your device. Okay, well, we we first start with uh, a meeting with the customer and going over some of the various aspects of what they're trying to accomplish. We look at the device, we look at the weight, we look at the type of sterilization, we look at the human factors issues and how the product is uh, dumped into the sterile field, if that's an application that it would see. And um, we take several things into consideration before we start the design process. And uh, then before we actually start designing, we have a design review meeting 
that would be either with the salesperson, uh, the customer and our design team, or just the salesperson and the design team. And we review uh, aspects such as uh, finger grabbing holes, uh, some of the constraints that we have on the thermoforming process, such as draft angles and undercuts and severity of undercuts. And um, then we start the process of of designing. Uh, Some of the other things we take into consideration are ETO flow and... um, uh, ease of extraction, ease of assembly into the tray. Uh, and a lot of times this is for a tray and a lid and, and occasionally customers will put the tray in a pouch, which would employ, uh, your part of the equation. But, um, if it's a, uh, tray and a lid, we'll, that, that is heat sealed, we'll, we'll typically recommend things like a return flange where there's a raised area that the uh, Tyvek seals to. That way it's a consistent seal and um, it's a little easier to grab the lid to to pull it off. Uh, We usually make uh, easy grab features, which would be a recessed area where you grab the corner. Sometimes there's even um, some ribs there that uh, keep the the, uh, Tyvek off the tray. Uh, but uh, those are some of the some of the things we review before we even start designing. Yeah, I mean, we we deal with the problem of the, the, typically on a, a say a Tyvek uh, ten seventy three um, uh, to a, like a mylar type of a pouch. There's a chevron end, and we're in the business of closing up that butt end that that isn't going to be open. But with gloved hands, things can change, and uh, obviously, there's uh, a lot of different size human hands, and those all have to be brought into consideration and you mentioned something else that uh, i think is interesting and that is the uh, that you have to make sure that if you're using eto that there isn't the sort of shadowed side of the device where the sterile sterilization modality isn't going to be affected by uh having sort of a, a shadowing effect on the part yes that's true we, we take all all those things into consideration we we even go so far as to if it's if it's a gamma application, there's bins out there that uh, hold so many uh, so many products per bin, and if you know the size of the bin that is going to be used in the in the gamma facility, you can design sizes so that you can optimize the bin the bin that they travel through to get uh, through the uh, gamma sterilization. That's interesting. Yeah, I know. Also, now the AORN, other organizations like that, they 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 feedback quite a bit. I know on on our side, um, giving input on what sort of real world issues that uh, they face when they're trying to deliver a device sterile in the critical time constraints and. Um, gowned aspect of a uh, controlled environment. So do you also look outside of some of these organizations to get their feel for end user use? Uh, not really. I mean, I don't recall ever having uh, uh, contacted any, any organization uh, in that regard. Yeah. And perhaps that's upstream of you for the, um, mm-hmm. the device maker that's um, producing those. So uh, another issue that I think is um always in play we we deal with it as i said before we're making a closure seal so they don't open the seal that's created on our machinery so we don't have the particulate issue 
Now, in your case, you're creating a peelable seal on a rigid tray. So that presents with a, a lot of uh, challenges. I, I don't envy you. I, I know the challenges of um, not only managing this particulars, but also testing a, a tray, lid tray stock and validation of lid tray can be very challenging. I've heard uh, quite a bit on the street how tough our device makers uh, can have when they're they're trying to have a process, particularly if they're developing these in, in-house and um, uh, trying to create a program that isn't, uh, isn't, isn't to uh, comply with. So how do you manage particulates on, on your process? Well, we, uh, we have a class eight clean room. Uh, we, we were told from the company that certified us that we were almost class seven. Uh, and if we did a couple little minor changes, we could probably get that uh, classification, but they recommended that we advertise ourselves as class eight. So we're doing that. Um, and we, we take that very seriously. Everybody's scarved up and we have the sticky mats. We change that out often. Uh, and then the HEPA filters are, are changed out regularly. So we keep all that uh, in check. And then one of the other things we do that is uh, proprietary and, and fairly unique, but it, we're not the only ones that do it, is we heat the steel rule dies uh, to a temperature that is uh, probably more than, than normal. And what that does is it, uh, it doesn't cut the edges. It actually melts the edges. And significantly reduces the opportunity for serrated edges and particulates during the cutting process. So um, our edges are, are what we call, uh, well, we, we consider ourselves to have clean cut technology. And uh, that's that's a term that we kind of coined for having smooth edges uh, that are particulate-free and, and non-serrated. When you're wearing gloves in the uh, OR and ER, um, you don't want to cut those gloves. And also, uh, you don't want to uh, have sharp edges that, that could potentially cut through the, the Tyvek or the pouch that you've uh, you've got the tray in. Right. Those uh, little fibers can actually be significant, and we know firsthand that um, that can create a, a real problem. And and also mentioning that you have a controlled environment where you're uh, developing your tray that's going to go to end users. You know, it's so important to be able to bring a you know clean, uh, ready to uh, work with product to medical device manufacturers, so they're not struggling with deburring issues and uh, cleaning issues. Uh, so I think as providers of, of this type of product, uh, we really have to pay close attention that we're providing them the cleanest, uh, most sensible product so they can do what they do. And uh, you mentioned another important uh, fact, and that was uh, sharps. That's another concern with trays. Uh, it's, if not careful, you can certainly make a, almost a knife edge on a rigid tray. Is there a way that you can uh, sort of monitor how you're doing? I mean, what sort of quality checks do you use? Is there... Uh, some way to be able to um, uh, test your product and determine how many particulates are flying off over multiple samples to get some sort of good vetable data? Well, one of the things um, we do at the end of every every line that uh, that we're producing trays on is we visually inspect the trays for any uh, any particulate, any embedded particulate, any uh, any, anything that would be a blemish or, or, or things called webbing, uh, where the material actually folds over itself, uh, that if you have a really steep draft angle and a, and a kind of a radical 
radius and a corner, sometimes you can get what's called webbing. And, and so we, we look for that. We all also look for obvious holes. Uh, there's, there's a male, female, uh, so the, the tool is, it can be either male or female. And then the assist is a mirror image of the tool. And it actually is a physical Ren, uh, plastic assist that pushes the plastic down into the mold and gives you more even distribution. We also use pressure from above and, and suction from below to help form the part. And that creates, uh, the quality parts that, that we have. And we also spend a tremendous amount of time polishing our tool and strategically placing the vacuum holes that suck the uh, material into the, uh, into the mold. Um, so we do a hundred percent inspection at the end of every line. If we don't have a stacker, uh, which would be for smaller high volume parts. And um, then we've just uh, recently achieved our ISO, ISO 13485, which is a milestone for our company. And, and one of the things that's happening out in the medical device world is uh, they're pushing their suppliers to become better. And uh, some of the bigger companies are requiring people to have class certified class eight clean rooms and uh, ISO 13485. And I'm sure there's going to be other things coming down the pipeline that uh, will be required of us. All right. I mean, under the sterile barrier system sort of, um, ethic value uh, packaging is effectively part of the device so you know if you're in that food chain then certainly um, your game should be up i mean we're a 17025 accredited calibration lab and also empirical lab that's unusual for a packaging machine provider but that's uh, what we're all asked to do uh, we're constantly um upgrading our laboratories. Uh, we, we run our company. We feel almost like a medical device company as well. So I think that's important. You know, as uh, devices are changing, I've just seen um, some come across my desk in, uh, in trade magazines that uh, really complicated shapes and also uh, challenged with a lot of uh, medicine embedded devices. How is that changing uh, your workflow? Well, some of the things uh, we we look for is is uh, you know how how the how the pack product is going to be used and and some of the requirements require soaking of the device. So traditionally, that's been done in a in a separate uh, bin uh, where you you would soak the device prior to implanting, and um, more and more. Uh, device companies are asking us to incorporate the soaking tray into the thermoform tray and make it part of the design features, which is is kind of interesting. It is interesting, yeah, yeah. And and so we're 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 starting to do that a little bit. The, some of the other things that you discussed, uh, drug eluding stents and things like, of that nature, we'll look at the uh, requirements and the material, and then we select a material that is appropriate for for that uh, application and occasionally uh, people will want to see the device sometimes they don't care uh, sometimes it goes into a gamma uh, situation sometimes it goes into ETO and e-beam and depending on the method of, uh, of sterilization we'll design the uh, get the material that is most appropriate if, if you're going gamma, there's a 99.999% chance you're going to need blue tint PETG. So that's uh, a lot of what we keep around. And um, certain materials uh, soften with uh, 
with uh, sterilization. So we have to be cognizant of that as well. And if it's uh, autoclave or high heat, uh, more than likely the application is going to be uh, polycarbonate, which is a very difficult to form and difficult to cut material. And that's actually how we develop the the clean edge technology is uh, with the uh, polycarbonate material. Uh, we, we could form it, but we couldn't cut it. So we uh, put a tremendous amount of heat on the steel rule, not on the platen, but on the rule itself. and um, got it very, very hot so that it could cut through the polycarbonate material. And then uh, after we, we finished, it was decided to use that technology on, on all the materials we, we produce trays from. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah. One of the things that um, uh, I've wondered about, and again, forgive me, I'm nascent to um, rigid uh, packaging, but how do you address, do you, do you also develop trays for, um, certainly you must, for kit trays, for um, procedure trays, um, and how, where are the challenges there? It seems like you have a mixed bag of uh, devices that are going to be in this. Um, obviously, it has to have a unified sterilization modality, but how do you deal with um, uh, multi-part um, or, or even a procedure tray? Is there any uh, challenges there? Well, uh, some of the things that come up when we're doing a kit tray, and it's kind of interesting you you ask that, <clears throat> is we're a lot of times we're asked to make a cavity in the tray that holds multiple items, and that that's actually where our designers shine, and uh, it's it's a, a more challenging part of the design process, but. We'll put the uh, parts in a logical flow as if, if you're going, going to have to assemble something or if you're going to have to use something in in a uh, in a sequence. And um, then oftentimes we're asked to have a, a cavity for either or uh, and sometimes multiple parts. And designing those cavities are, are kind of fun because some are higher and shorter and some are longer and 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 some are more narrow so we have to uh, accommodate all those features in, into one cavity and make it universal so that it still protects the part uh, but it it contains it in in the well yeah i mean it seems like it would just open up with uh, layers of complexity because it has to as you mentioned which is interesting you have to open it up and these have to be done in an order and they also have to be delivered uh, without damaging the part or uh, risk to the operator, the nurse or uh, physician that's uh, whoever's uh, liberating the part from the tray. So, you know, these are, I, I um, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of those steps are important. And we know that, um, uh, you know, in our, uh, on the flexible side, we, uh, we have to, we have, ours is a little less um, complicated because we have a part and it's typically going to be dumped in a, a mayo stand and um, I shouldn't say dumped, uh, gingerly set in a mayo stand. And those are things that um, are a little easier on our end, but we do have to look at those seals values uh, are going to be and how, how can we protect the device. And so we use um, in the flexible uh, packaging, we use the ASTM F88, I believe it's the dash M15 is the latest iteration where we're pulling it apart and you know, colloquially, they're looking for a pound appeal, but really isn't a very good metric. The better metric is uh, we're looking at what the manufacturer uh, creates and we try to beat the converter's seal. So is there a sort of magic number uh, in your industry for the lid tray that um, you have to uh, meet? And uh, I've always wondered, how do you test the peel strength of those? We have offer peel testing in our laboratory, but 
fixturing up a rigid tray with a flexible um, tieback lid has always been very challenging, uh, and it poses itself with some uh, host of, of testing uh, metric problems. So, what, what well, is your test of choice? Well, one of the, one of the things we we like to to encourage people to do is to use a tray with a retainer and. And if you do that and put a, a seal around the perimeter, you've pretty much got a foolproof package. And we we also encourage people not to use snaps so that when you dump into the sterile field, you don't have anything restricting uh, the ability to get to the to the device or the product or the or the parts. Um, and occasionally the retainer, which is the top part that goes over the tray, uh, can be used to help organize the components within the tray, and when you dump, they're they're contained in that in that retainer upside down after you've dumped it. So that's kind of an interesting way to go about it. Mm. The other thing that is is uh, uh, sometimes employed is snaps. <clears throat> we like to discourage snaps, but occasionally they're necessary and. Um, if they are, if there is a snap, we we worry about the ETO flow underneath the snap. And to get around that, we can create channels that go down under the snap to allow the ETO gas to get in and, and kill any bugs. And then regarding the uh, peel strength, um, we don't do that testing ourselves, uh, but we do make a very flat, clean perimeter that is easily sealable and we oftentimes encourage people to go with more of a flange than less of a flange and then i'm on the astm f02 group and within that group we've got uh, a group that is responsible for determining the peel strengths based on the weight of the product and the complexity and the size so in the in the past a traditional one pound seal strength has been employed and nobody Nobody has any idea where that one pound came up. I know uh, came from folklore. So, right, right. So we we are now looking at if you're if you're packaging a bowling ball and you're packaging a feather, you would uh, you would need different uh, seal strengths. And so we're trying to figure out how to go about determining what seal strength to use. So that that'll be on down the road. Now we also use um, in our lab, uh, which is common, and uh, it's just sort of a day in day out kind of a workhorse. We use the uh, ASTM uh, nineteen twenty nine die pin test. Uh, does die pin test enter into your world? Do you guys use that? I guess it'd be a little harder to see flow, but it's uh, as I say, a workhorse for us. Yeah, as far as we're concerned, um, we we don't really get into that. Those we leave that up to the the testing labs. Uh, like Westpac at DDL and 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 uh, Nelson and others around the country. Okay. Well, Andy, do you see what's in the future? Any um, any challenges? Any uh, cool innovation around the corner that you're aware of? I always like to look forward to see uh, where we're going, um, as well as where we are um, beyond our state of the industry. So, what do you see in in rigid um, packaging coming up? Anything new? Well, as far as uh we're concerned some of the more exciting new areas that uh, we've been involved in is uh, robotic uh, surgery uh, has uh, some some robotic surgery companies have asked us to make thermoform parts for their equipment and and that's kind of a 
deviation from the traditional path that we've been on where we're making trays uh, for packaging. These are actually medical device parts. <clears throat> and then as far as materials go, a lot of people in the in the past for medical trays have used high-impact polystyrene, which is traditionally somewhat of a dirty material. It has a lot of particulate and it, it tends to not be a very clean material. So we, we don't run high-impact polystyrene in our clean room. We run it uh, in a controlled environment outside of the clean room because we'd probably have to purge our, our clean room for a couple of three days before we could run anything else if we did use it in wow. there. But um, one of the new materials that has just come uh, it, it come, come about is, is a foamed PETG, which is uh, uh, kind of an interesting new material. It's actually 6763. It's the same material that blue tint PETG is made out of, but they just had a foaming agent. It's actually a clear material, but when you look at it, it looks opaque because of the tiny bubbles inside the material and it forms very well it's about the same price and it uh it kind of looks like an like an egg carton oh, okay uh material but it's uh, it's kind of a cream colored and um we've had a lot of interest in that because it's it's clean to cut it's clean to form it can be run in the clean room and it uh, performs a lot uh uh, very much the same as uh, high impact polystyrene as far as uh, undercuts and and it's it's even a softer material so it might even add some additional protection i'm i'm not sure about that but it it seems like it would okay well, you know the um the final question i'd like to ask you andy is the uh, we're moving into uh well i have been for some time but now it's uh, creeping into medicine about um recyclable material where do you stand uh, what what uh sort of requirements are you under and where are the changes for recycling medical trays, uh, you know, when appropriate, when they're not um, uh, potential contaminants. I know we have the opportunity to recycle materials. Does your company have a policy? Uh, what do you see happening in that area? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. There is a, a group called HPRC uh, that is, is investigating recycling hospital waste. As far as using recycled material, that's something we don't really do because the traceability there is some fda approved uh uh RPETs, uh, which is recycled pet but we we try not to to use that because of the risk of you know traceability and all all that good stuff um as far as merrill's packaging goes we are a certified green company in the bay area which is a rather uh, difficult uh uh, uh, it's it's rather difficult to get that uh, that that's distinction. Sure, we we approached them and and asked them if we could uh, be considered, and they they kind of laughed at us because we're a plastic company, and and they're coined more environmental, and uh, so we we still encouraged them to come take a look at us, and when they came and saw some of the things that we were doing. They were really impressed so much so that they gave us their certification. Amazing. And what what we're doing is is we've reduced our our trash output considerably. We're recycling our virgin material that is scrap in our process. Uh, we bought a bank of of batteries that uh, allow us to cut off the energy uh, external energy source at peak hours. Uh, when we reach a certain point, and and uh, that was more due to economic reasons than environmental, but it turned out to be 
very environmentally friendly when we're not using energy over peak and we can rely on our batteries as backup. We have a giant uh, chart in the uh, in the plant. It's a, it's a TV screen that uh, shows people where our energy usage is in relationship to peak. And if they've got a machine warming up and they don't think they're going to need it for a few hours, they can shut it off. And it allows us to bring our our peak back down. Uh, if we do go over peak, of course, we go in the batteries. And then when we go off peak hours, uh, the batteries are recharged and ready for the next uh, time we go go above peak during peak hours. So uh, it's, a, it's a rather uh, interesting um, uh, thing that we've employed in our plant to... Uh, keep our energy usage down and and to uh, become more environmentally friendly. And then we just generally take that very seriously with regards to waste and scrap. We used to have three bins outside uh, the plant that we dump a couple, three times a week, and we've got it down to one bin that we dump once a week. That's so really that's, that's uh, some of the accomplishments that we've done to uh, – to become a green company. Well, congratulations. That's all great stuff. I know in, obviously in healthcare, we have challenges um, at the uh, hospital point for uh, recycling, but those uh, things that we can do upstream make a big difference. Well, thanks Andy for joining me today. That was all great information. You know, where, as I said, I'm very nascent to um, the lid tray stock uh, sort of process. Um, so it's interesting to hear I've often wondered about a few of the questions I've asked you today, and I appreciate your good, candid information. So uh, thanks for joining me, Andy. We appreciate uh, all the things that you do, and including the IOPP. Any announcements uh, you'd like to make uh, in terms of uh, your company? You're welcome to do that. Well, just uh, that we, we're in Burlingame, California, which is the Bay Area. We're one of the few Western therm- medical thermoformers in the United States. Most of them are in the Midwest and the East Coast. We also have a plant in uh, in Costa Rica, and uh, there's a big medical device hub down there. We're in the Coyol Park, which is where several medical device companies are, including Smith & Nephew, Allergan, Boston Scientific, Abbott, and uh, several others. And um, I live and work out of my home office in Southern California, and I can be reached at uh, 714 Three two eight nineteen zero five. So, if you have any questions or want to know more about what we do, go ahead and give me a call. My email address is Andy A N D Y at Merrill's M E R R I L L S dot com. And Merrill's has been around for about fifty eight years now. We've been in the medical uh, part of the business for about forty years. So we we were one of the pioneers in thermoforming and. We're one of the pioneers in in medical trays, and uh, we'd be more than happy to help you. Great. Well, thanks so much. I had the opportunity to have a booth next to you guys this year, and so we got to uh, chat over the fence, you might say. And it was uh, thank you for all the information you always give me. You're a wealth of uh, knowledge and very much connected with our industry, and we appreciate that. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. Make sure and subscribe to our podcast today so you will never miss out on our latest episode. If there is a subject you would like us to cover, or if you are an expert yourself and would like to be considered for an upcoming episode, then just drop us a line at info at spotradiopodcast.com. Thanks again for listening in. From all of us at Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, have a great day.